How you doing there, Dom? I am the terror that flaps in the night. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Welcome to yet another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. The only podcast that guarantees that if you listen, you'll actually hear stuff. This week's episode, episode 437, we look forward with great expectancy. So let's see how that works out. Today we have what we are calling our first pandemonium show. Um, because of the need for social distancing, the world is on the web and it's difficult to get a solid signal. So uh, we're using a very paired back cast tonight, hoping for the best. Uh, in the Area 51 broadcast facility tonight, it's just Captain Cam and me. Cam, how's life being socially distanced from the universe? Well, I understand social distancing, Don, but did you have to put the glass cage around me with no air in here? It's still no, don't talk. There, there's air in there. This is not a lot. I mean, you'll well, that's what I mean. Eventually, eventually, we'll let you out or not, depending on how badly today goes. Okay, I'll so, behave myself. Please do. Me, I'm just, I'm just the dome. And uh, after doing this for a while, every once in a while, we get a book, and uh, it just kind of hits you in a way that you go, "I got to talk to the person that wrote the book." A lot of times we know the person ahead of time and they go, hey, my new book's here and I'd like to read it. And we read it and then, then we have them on. This, this time around, Cam and I read the book at the same time and it just kind of went, it's time we bring in uh, the author of this book to talk about the book. The title of the book is, oh God, I've blown, you know what? I'm going to get her name right and I've blown the title of the goddamn book. <laughs> <laughs> this is classic dumb, thank you. The title of the book is Among Us. The author is Christina Renzi. Christina, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, you may be over that fairly quickly, based on <laughs> oh boy. which I apologize for. Okay. Um, we, we, got, we got hold of your book, Among Us, and Cam and I, as we were reading it, um, and you, you should know that both of us have finished the book cover to cover. Uh, and we would like be emailing and, and, and uh, texting each other stuff about the book. So if you could, because science fiction is only one of the realms in which you write. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, basically you write uh, thrillers, mm -hmm. you, You've written, um, uh, I don't want to call it paranormal romance because it really isn't, adult domestic thrillers and adult mm -hmm. paranormal. That's what you call them. Mm -hmm. 
what made you stick your toes into science fiction? So this is my passion. I love um, just exploring things that I want to know more about. And this has just been a topic that's been on my mind forever and ever. Um, and sci-fi, you know, it's just something that, that I, I have, you know, not only have a passion for, but that I'm interested in and I want to know more about. And I kind of go where the story takes me. And, you know, there's so many stories writers will tell you, I'm sure you've spoken to so many of them where they say, uh, you know, it just came to me or I wanted to, you know, try and go down this road and, and try this genre out. Well, sci-fi is just something I love. I absolutely love it. I've love the Twilight Zone. I watch every sci-fi show you can imagine. And this particular book and the topic um, really was just, it's something I've been thinking about. You know, I really, it's, it's something that I just wanted to explore from a both um, research perspective and also from a fiction perspective and just see where I could go with it. So um, yeah, I love sci-fi. So Among Us gives away kind of the genre that we're talking about, that we're not alone in the world. Uh, you do a very nice author kind of thing by bouncing back and forth uh, in time to help propel the story forward. So why don't, why don't you talk a little bit, if you could, about Marcy Simon and who she is and how much it sounds like she's like you. <laughs> right. Isn't it funny? I really think all of our characters are a piece of us. I mean, I think every character in that book, and scarily enough, you've read them all, are, pro are pieces of us, are pieces of, of people we want to understand. Um, so Marcy is a lot like me in the sense that she's pretty much like two different people. She's got her day persona and she's got her uh, the persona of the taboo persona of what she really likes and what she's really into. And they're two different people. So she's an English professor by day. She works at a, a university. Um, and I, I based a lot of these, uh, the university, the town, the area on where I live um, in my graduate school that I went to. So she's a professor and kind of an uppity uh, English professor in a university. And she has this um, affinity for the paranormal. She's into um, aliens and wondering if, they're, if they exist. And she kind of explores this on her blog Among Us. So her whole thing is concealing who she really is from her day life, um, her day job. And then at night, she gets to sort of be this kind of wild, little bit more wild side person. Um, and um, she's somebody who questions everything. And that's kind of what I always say. It's like, question everything. Like, we don't know the answers. So why do we think we do? Let's just question everything. And that's kind of who she is. So what got you... Okay, before I ask that question, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to go here instead. When did you start thinking... The title of the book is Among Us. Mm -hmm. That has to do with the fact that we are not alone in the universe. We are not alone in the solar system. We may not even be alone on Earth. Mm -hmm. how, how did, when, when did you start going there? Um, yeah, that's really funny. Um, that you, it's a good question because I think I, I went tend there. I to have good questions. I yeah, try. Great question. <laughs> hey, you know, you're in the right job. You know, what can I say? Um, I always wondered, and I think I would say probably around the time I started writing uh, professionally, I started really opening my mind up to thinking about the topics I wanted to explore. And I knew this was going to be one of them. And I just needed, I needed time to figure out what that story was going to be. But I tend to um, write about things that scare me. I write about things that I'm curious about. And I go, I try to explore them through fiction. So yeah, this is something I always kind of wondered about since I was little, like since a little kid, 
Um, I always wondered what's out there, who's out there, is anything out there, are they here? What, you know, I always thought about this stuff. Um, and then I think when I started getting into writing, I really wanted to um, just learn more about, okay, what is that all about? Meanwhile, in real life, you know, I have family that was in the military. My husband's family was high ranking in the military. And it made me think of that too. Like, what do they have access to? What do they know? So um, I, st I wrote, started writing this book, I would say like in 2016. And I ha it had been on my mind a lot before then. And I kept going to it and leaving it and coming back. And it was just, it was watching, uh, believe it or not, watching shows like Unsealed Alien Files and government conspiracy shows that when they started pulling up these documents um, and talking about the Freedom of Information Act and and um, all these different places that, you know, people say they exist, but there's no you know, true proof that they exist. I started looking into that and thinking, well, what if they do exist? What if this is really what's going on? And it scared me enough that I wanted to write about it. How far did you take it when you were, you know, looking at it? Did you the government conspiracy, government cover-up, uh, Area 51, Roswell, mm -hmm. because there's there's touches of that in this novel all over mm -hmm. the place. So what scared me the most was Dolce Base. I don't, I'm sure you guys know about it, um, and I've read about it and re and watched you know shows on it about this secret base. Um, and where there's really the government's hiding, you know, um, otherworldly beings and um, and they're really already here and they're in control on this kind of stuff. And anybody who's ever really been there or seen anything, you know, no longer is alive kind of thing. That's the story, quote unquote. And that's what's out there. So that scared me and that intrigued me. And I started looking into that. And then I also started looking into um, the special operations manuals. Um, and there was one in particular that they highlighted on the sci-fi channel. Um, and I can't remember the woman's name. She's, um, one of the big figures. She, she's on ancient aliens a lot. I cannot think of her name and I wish I wrote it down, but, um, anyway, she pulled this document out and she said, we finally can look at this and reading through it. And it was all about special operations around, um, this pact and this kind of government agreement that um, we had with um, otherworldly beings and what, we, what would we do if, if they were to turn on us and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, and again, you're, I'm watching this on television. Do I, have I ever seen it in person? No, I don't know if it's real. You know, we don't really know, but it intrigued me enough that I wanted to know more. And I wanted to go, well, what if it was real? And what if there was this thing that happened, you know, um, and it was tried, you know, they tried to cover it up and now it's coming, it's happening again. And, ha and there's this girl who needs an adventure in her life. That's the other thing about Marcy. She's kind of like bored and needs like, this is why she explores this stuff and it falls in her lap. And now she's like going on this adventure to, un you know, to uncover the truth. The novel itself defies a true pigeonhole. And, and here's why I say that. Yeah, it has aspects of science fiction. It absolutely. Yes, it's a government spy thriller. Yes, it's a conspiracy thriller. Um, you know, throw in a couple of animals and you've got virtually everything, but no animals. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of like that um, the way you interwove all the different concepts. And it's not until you get to the very end, which Cam and I are not going to talk about, that you're not. No, we're not. About oh, who's God. really who and what's really what and why there are guns on top of the White House. I'm not I'm not not even going there. <laughs> <laughs>
as you're putting this together, realize that there's very little difference between Christina and Marcy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true, true. Uh, they, they both seem overly energetic and overly uh, self-assured with, with, with a dose of, God, I hope I'm right, uh, <laughs> in there. Um, yeah. When you started writing this book, how did you do it? What's what was the path that you took in putting this together? This was an interesting book because I knew I for whatever reason I had a feeling it was going to be an audiobook and that's a whole other story. But um so I worked really closely with somebody to help me make sure that the way I was writing it the first of all about craft part, the way I was writing, it would really come across well in audio. I wanted it to be like more of like a movie where I could see it in my head, you know? Um, and everybody wants to write like that, but I thought it was really important if it was going to be an audio book. Um, and that I wanted to hear it. So, but yeah, the, I think the way I put it together was I had these people in mind. I had this agency in mind. I had these people in mind. I had Lou in mind. Who's the military guy from the sixties, right? He's like, he's the mentor character who um, is involved and then um, gets Marcy, pulls Marcy into the mix. I had Marcy in mind and I had this agency in mind. And I, I was trying to think of both sides of it. Like, what if I worked for the government? What if I was trying to uncover the truth? What, like, how, how would I do that? Why would both of those sides be important to me? And who's right and who's wrong? And honestly, I didn't have an opinion about that. I thought I did. I thought going in, I had an opinion about what the, what should be going on. I thought it should be, everything should be revealed and everybody should know everything and we need to know. And as I was writing it and, and the more I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, I don't know that I believe that. Let me explore the other side. So I really dove into what if I was on the other side in this special agency trying to withhold the truth because of the greater good or what I believe to be the greater good or security or, or, you know, all of these noble things. And by the way, not everybody in, and as you know, as you read the book, not everybody in that agency is noble. Um, but just thinking of it in that terms, like, because I am somebody who, when I am working for someone, I'm extremely loyal. I follow the rules. I do everything I need to do. I, I question things, but I'm also a very loyal person and a hard worker and I'm always pushing myself, right? So I thought, well, what if I was that kind of person in this agency? And then I thought about what if I was this person outside the agency and it was affecting me? I wanted to get to the truth. And I kind of pit those two against each other. And that was like the two halves of me in there kind of trying to pull apart this argument and go, well, should people know? Should they not know? What if I knew? Would I want everybody to know? You know, uh, do I really want to know? You know, it was like I questioned everything again. I get back to that question, everything. But yeah, it was it was um, it was a battle. And I did the research. I did a lot of stuff. You know, I took notes as I'm watching these shows. I went on the Internet. I read documents. I talked to people about what they would tell me that, you know, people who uh, you know have been there in terms of like how the military works and uh, what kind of equipment they use back in the 60s versus today and all that those kinds of things. Um, and I just let the story kind of lead me. And I thought of what would scare me the most, what could be the worst outcome, what would freak me out if it was true, and that's what I wanted to write about. Well, I was just going to interject something dumb. That was one of the things I did like about the story was that you did create these characters that you could almost feel for. Each one of them had their – even the one individual that you hinted at, you could feel for why he did what he did even if he was a little psychotic about it. Right. Because each one of them had their very good reasons. How did you develop these characters and do you, did you have a way of keeping them straight in your head? I know something mm -hmm. Dome and I have always talked with a lot of authors is, is having a Bible for the characters mm -hmm. you create. 
did you have a Bible or did they all just maybe exist in your head and they talk mm-hmm. to you at various times, which is something other authors mm-hmm. have said? Yeah. And so I have a psychology background. I have my master's in psychology and I've always been interested in abnormal psychology. It's a passion of mine. And I really, I take every character from a psychological perspective and who they are and what they're about. And I let them show me, right? So I have a very simple way of doing it because I tried the whole character thing and I just, I get overwhelmed and stressed out trying to plot every little piece of them out. And I said, okay, this is who this person is. Um, and this is the, and I look at them from a three dimension, like we all are, we're all, we're all very complicated. You know, humans are complicated. Like we, we are not one person, we're several people and depending on where you are. So I try to give them several different views um, in terms of who they are to make sure they're three dimensional, like every author's trying to do. And, um, and th- things that were kind of sometimes in conflict with each other, because I feel like that makes it interesting too. Like if you're, you know, a loving family man, but you're a killer. You know what, and and why are you doing it, and are you getting pleasure out of that? You know, some are, some aren't. And um, how loyal will you be to your organization? That's another character, you know, who's got this attitude, and he's kind of an air about him, Pierce. And it's like, how loyal is he going to be? What's he going to give up? What's he willing to do? Um, you know, so I really wanted to come up with who these people were psychologically, and 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 then I once I knew that, I let the behavior show who they were. And I just remembered when I was writing them, I would say, like, this is who he is. Don't forget that. And as you're writing them, you have to show that. I wanted to show both sides of it and show that they could be a normal person and they could have a life. But you don't know who they are. And the reality of life is that you don't know who your neighbors are. You don't know really who you're dealing with. And that's the truth. And so uh, and there, and the other part of it is there are people out there who truly aren't, you know, they say evil. It's just like, what does that even mean? I always question that when I'm writing too. like, what is evil really anyway? Um, because some people who are doing evil sort of things, and I would say was evil, they think they're doing the right thing. And who am I to say it isn't, you know? So, um, but yeah, I, so that was kind of where I came, I came from that perspective versus writing down every little thing about them. I let them come alive through the story, but by using who they were psychologically. The thing that I found most interesting about that was the fact that you refused to let any characters be black and white. And that made a big difference in the read, that every character was a gray character. They weren't totally good. They weren't totally bad. They weren't totally evil. They weren't totally self-motivated. Every character had a sense of depth and reality to them. And as a reader, you really come to appreciate that. And I appreciate you saying that because that's something that that authors work hard at doing and never know if we got it right because we know our characters so well. But like when you work with an editor and that's a big part of the writing process, right? They'll, she, he would, my editor would just say to me, well, what do you mean by that? And what, you know, and he would drill me, like drill me on the phone and I would push me. And I think that's what you need because, you know, in my head, I get it, but am I, am I getting it on paper that way? So I'm glad you said that. And I really looked at them as real people. I mean, obviously they're characters. I know that, but I based them off of not any one particular person I know, but characteristics of people. I thought, well, if I took a little bit from this guy and a little bit from that guy, I made Lou. I loved Lou. Lou was probably my favorite character in the whole book. Like he was, somebody who was so real to me, you know? Um, and so those were the kinds of things that I tried to do and just hoped I did it well, you know, that was my job. So in, in reading the government aspects of this, you create this government agency, ESA, the Extraterrestrial Security Agency, which to me rings rather like Majestic 12. 
Yes. In a lot of ways. Uh Is that where you got a lot of that from? It is. Yep. It is. (laughs) It certainly is. It is. That's what I, that's what I, I really, that was what drove this story. That, that, that information drove this story because it scared me. And it made me think about, oh, I'm a, you know, you're a writer, you're creative, you're, you know, thinking all of these fantasies and I laugh and say oh yeah I believe in I believe in everything because I don't know what's real and what isn't and I'm, I'm I am confident enough to say I don't know it all and I'm not supposed to and that's okay like I don't I'm okay with that but I like exploring these things so yes that's exactly where it came from I try to put my own spin on things and think like well what if um all of this stuff this baseline stuff is true like what's the tr- like the other stuff that we didn't hear about you know and what did that look what could that look like what if this is happening that scares me you know, so I tried to scare myself while I was, <laughs> and I did. And there were days where I was doing research. And I tell you, I was doing research one day. I was home alone in my office with the door closed and my doorbell rang and I have a little camera, you know, and I go look at the camera and no one's there. And I'm like, really? I shut my computer down. I'm done for the day. <laughs> okay, guys, you're tapping into my computer. And I keep saying out loud in case it's bugs. No, it's fiction. It's just fiction. I don't really know anything. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna be going, oh, my God, am I writing about stuff? And someone's going, what does this woman know? You know, what does this woman know? Um, I don't know anything. I just, I like to imagine, you know, so. And, and of course, the other thing, too, is uh, the ESA also has a very real resemblance to the the actual uh, men in black as opposed mm-hmm. to the, uh, the, yes. the the Will Smith right. uh, version of men yeah. in black, which is very benign. The actual men yeah. in black myth or, yeah. or, or story is a much more sinister story. Yeah. And, you know, I try to, um, you know, empathize with them. Because you have to as an author and think like, again, what if I was one of them? What if that was my job and that and I believe that I was protecting the the world by keeping this information. And then this person comes along and is trying to screw it up. I don't want to do anything to that person, but I've got to protect the greater good. And what does that look like? So I try to empathize with. You know, you get one side of the story when you're watching these shows and you see, oh, well, you know, this one disappeared and that happened and this happened. And you don't really know what went on. But at the end of the day, I try to think, well, what if I worked for X, Y, Z? How would I feel then? Like, I can't just look at this from one side. I have to really be able to understand both perspectives, no matter how crazy they seem, in order to make it authentic. And that's I really did try to get in their shoes and feel what they felt. Um, And it's hard when you're that's not who you are as a person, but I just, I wanted to be able to um, just be them for a little while. I kind of like the idea to just pull away from this whole concept completely. Uh, I kind of like the idea of what Jersey Shores University implied. Uh, (laughs) When I first started reading it, I'm going, please, let's not have Snooki in here. Please, 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 please. No, that's not it. No. (laughs) Oh, my God. And she's so far from Jersey Shore and nothing. I mean, I don't know her. So I know people that do know her um, and I don't I would never say anything bad. But there, you know, a lot of those that show was just it was for TV. And it's, you know, a lot of New Yorkers, which I love New Yorkers. My parents are from New York, but it isn't where I live. Um, And by the way, there are places in New Jersey like that. But where I live isn't like that. It's it's uh, a different kind of Jersey Shore. But yeah, it's still considered the Jersey Shore. Now I wasn't going there. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'd hit that and I'd go, "No, it's not that. Move on. No, Try no, and forget that. No. 
Yeah, I know. And it's funny when you say that. And whenever I tell people where I'm from, they're like, and I'm like, it's not the show. Um, you know, and that, and the show has its own flavor and, and, and all of that, but not where I live. But yeah, it, I actually based it off of the university where I got my uh, graduate degree, which isn't far from where I live. Um, I loved that school. It was great. But yeah, I tried to make it a little bit more. Uh, it's a, it was a, pri it's a private uh, university where I got my graduate degree. So I, um, I tried to make it kind of like that. Um, and give her conflict where really if this came out, she was going to be, you know, she should be embarrassed, but she went down a different road. So <laughs> crazy. Uh, Cause that's the real world. The real, the real world is you put on your business suit. I mean, at least that's where, where we live. If you know, unless you're full-time doing whatever you're doing, you have, so a lot of us writers have multiple jobs. You put on your business suit, you go out and you do your thing and you're this person. You come home and you write these stories and you're this person. And I wanted to show the reality of that because a lot of people live those lives. You know, you have a job where you're one way, you have a, a family where you're another, friends where you're another, and passions where you're another. So um, it's real. You know, you're not this, not everybody's the same, not that you're not the same person, you're, you're holistically the same, but you have to put on different hats and different, you know, life situations. In reading the end, reading the book all the way to the end, which I try to do with every author that's going to be on, Sometimes I don't quite make it <laughs> for one reason or another. Mm. The world just conspires against me. There are two things I liked about the ending. I'm going to hold off on one of them and just say that your last two paragraphs set up the sequel mm -hmm. that I would really like to read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I wanted to leave it like that. I wanted I wanted to have an open door because I knew I had a vision in mind of what that would look like, but I wasn't ready at the time yet to write it. Um, but I wanted to, and I want to, and you always, they always say this too, to writers that you don't want to write multiple books. I mean, people do, I know lots of authors that do and nothing against them, but that you don't want to write all your books at once because if one doesn't do well or doesn't sell or whatever the situation is, I have all these books you spent all your time on. So I kind of did want to see like, well, let's see what happens with it. If it does well, if people like it, if they want it. And I have, that really is the one of the things I hear the most is like, what's going to happen next. So that just gives me the, the, you know, the confidence to say like, yeah, I need to keep going with this. If you were going to write a second novel <laughs> and, and here's hoping that you do, uh, would it take on the kind of actual men in black aspect that you hint at through this whole thing? You know, it's funny. <clears throat> I thought of it as something along the lines of that, but also I loved the X-Files and I loved that kind of that kind of relationship um, between the two, those two characters and where that went. And I thought um, it could, it could go either way, but yeah, I think I, the way I see it is that this is, you know, this is a situation that sets up um, you know, it sets up a story that could continue on and on for books. Um, and the way I, the reason I say that is because I think there are lots of different things that could come up along the way, right? Um, different cases or different events. Um, and I don't, I, I would like it to be almost like, you know, they, they continue all along, but they're standalones as well. Um, that's where kind of my head, my head goes with it. But, um, but yeah, I think, and I would have to see where the story took me. Cause I have to tell you my best, the best parts of this book happened while I was writing them. And I am a, uh, I'm mostly a plotter. I am a pantser too. Like meaning, you know, I do my loose plotting and I do it based on more, um, screenwriting methodology than even novel writing. Um, I use the, um, save the cat beat sheet 
Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but um, anyway, I, I use that methodology and I'll do like basic beats to the story, like what needs to happen where, but then I let the mm -hmm. story lead. So um, with that being said, um, a lot of the twists and turns I didn't see until they came. And then I was like, oh, that's what's going to happen. And then I had to work it in. And of course, when something like that happens as an author, you have to go back and then make sure everything makes sense from the beginning. So there was a lot of like fixing things and going back and forth. But yeah, I, um, I would like to see where it, where it goes. I don't want to, you know, put too much stock in the way I think it's going to be because it could go a different way. <laughs> Once you create the characters, they tend to make their own way in the world. They're, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's scary, but amazing. But yeah, it is. A, it's pretty true. So wearing all the different hats that you wear throughout your differing yet eerily similar careers, when you find time to write, what works best for you? So what works best for me, um, and as much as I hate to admit it, it does work the best, is like first thing in the morning, five in the morning, if I set my alarm. I used to be part yes. of a, um, I haven't done that in a long time, but a Twitter group where we would all tweet each other at 5 a.m. Um, 5 a.m. Writers Club, I think it's it's called. I haven't done it in a while, but that was what worked for me. It's like I'm half asleep, I get my coffee, I go in the office, close the door, um, and it just flows. That's the writing part, the editing part I have to do, you know, that's the way I, the reason I like to do it that early is because my, um, my right brain is awake, my left brain is asleep, um, and I need the opposite, <laughs> you know, yeah, it is, like, I'm like, right, that's why they say write, drunk, edit, sober, that's why Hemingway said that, because I think it's true, you write when your brain is a little um, sleepy, in other words, or, or off, because your right brain is, what, is wide awake. Um, and when you need your left brain for editing. So I always had to do editing at different times. I couldn't do that in the morning. But yeah, I love it first thing in the morning, 5 a.m. I've always found that the sunrise is always a mm -hmm. great muse. I oh, love yeah. writing just as the sun rises. Yeah, for me. there's something. Mm -hmm. And there's something the old, about getting the older you get, in. the more difficult that becomes. I will, yeah, I will sure. warn you about that. <laughs> oh, good to know. I'll have to make it six, seven, eight. We'll just keep pushing it. But, um, but I do think what's really good about it, what I love even more, the, the, uh, you know, I want to even say overachiever workaholic in me, I should say, is that I like that my words are done. They're done. They're done for the day. If I want to write more, great, but I don't have to worry about them. I can just do whatever else I need to be doing. And that's, that's checked off my list. And it makes me feel so good. Like people who are addicted to exercise and things like that, they want to do that first thing in the morning. I have to get my words done first thing in the morning. It's interesting talking to someone for the first time that you think you know by looking at her writing and her bio and, and the stuff that's written about her on, on the internet. And then getting to meet her and finding out you were right. It has been an absolute joy talking to you, Christina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. I absolutely loved it. I truly appreciate the opportunity. I just want to want to finish this interview with uh, my favorite quote from your book. And you remember the poster in the X-Files, I Want to Believe. Yeah. It could also the truth is the truth, whether you believe it or not. Yeah, that that is I, I know that gives me chills. It's like I, I used to you forget you write things, but that is that is I will tell you that is the basis for the entire book. You picked a good quote. That is what, what the book was all about. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you.
Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and by Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. If you're looking for a really great gift book for the rapidly approaching Get Some Fresh Air Day event and celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is now available on Audible. I'm not sure where else you could possibly find it. Our intro production is provided by Rob Watts. More of his amazing stuff can be found by looking at robwattsonline.com. Don't forget to try the Watts sauce. Our outro is provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out their latest EP, Forsake Lovejoy, available on Bandcamp. A whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang tonight. From his booking books, thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, Shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased, thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime, good night, everybody. That sounds perfect.